I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi everyone, I'm Jason Ballara and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today I'm here with John Rickgarn. John, thanks for coming on the show today. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you doing, Jason? I'm good. I'm good. Again, thank you for coming on. Yeah, um, thanks. John, I'm going to let John kind of tell you his story, but he uh, he's actually got quite an interesting background um, of how he got started in, in real estate and uh, kind of some really good, I think, you know, sort of mindset type of uh, topics to bring up. So if you would, why don't you tell us about yourself? Sure. Uh, so I guess a uh, high level, I'm located here in uh, Marshall, Minnesota, southwest corner of the state. I always uh, throw out Poma of Schwann's ice cream and Red Baron pizza that usually tends to get some people <laughs> an idea of where I'm located or at least know where they've heard of Marshall before. Yeah. Uh, my journey has kind of been a little bit more uh, interesting to say the least. So I have been a real estate investor since 2016, but if you will, I kind of had my awakening moment uh, back in 2014. Uh, it's actually November of 2014. Uh, surprisingly enough, I can kind of remember exactly where I was you know, on the couch with my laptop. Um, it was at night and just was, you know, kind of thinking, uh, shall I say, kind of going over my life. Uh, my wife had just left a toxic work environment and we were down to one income. At the time, I was a, a full-time salesperson for an office equipment company. And I'd done, you know, relatively well over the years and just kind of started to think of, well, okay, we're down to one income. Uh, got to, you know, sell more copiers, sell more equipment, uh, maybe pick up a side hustle. Uh, you know, your mind just starts thinking of all these ways to accumulate money. And it just kind of had an awakening at that moment uh, that I realized I was 31 years old. If I was to essentially relive my entire life, you know, all those memories, that entire span of time, I would only be to 62 and still not at the arbitrary, you know, retirement age of 65. And that would be from working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, like I was accustomed to. So that was kind of a downer right there. I was thinking, okay, another 31 plus years of 40, 50, 60 hours a week. Not all that exciting. Okay. And then just kind of had another epiphany of, well, even if I, you know, did all that and everything worked out fine. And I had a humongous retirement plan when I turned six or 62, 65, like we're supposed to, uh, what's to say I'm even going to get there. And I say that because both of my parents died of cancer by the time I was 16, both of them were in their fifties. Um, they did all the right things, you know, go to school, get a degree, get a full-time job, max out IRA, 401k, retirement account, you know, work, 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 save, save, save diligently for decades after decades. And then you're going to retire at someday. Well, they did all that, but then they passed away in their fifties. So I kind of look at it as they deferred so much of their life 
and so many years of their you know active earning years and they never got to enjoy it so it was at that moment that i realized okay there has to be a better way than just you know working for a paycheck there has to be a way to start earning money now instead of just waiting till retirement and that's when i really kind of go you know did a deep dive into my investing journey through podcast reading networking and starting the journey that i'm on today yeah well i think i've interviewed a lot of guests that have had some sort of life event tragedy Mm -hmm. something like that 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 struck them right and doesn't Mm -hmm. i guess doesn't always strike you i mean it's probably hard to to have these realizations at 16 when you've lost your parents that what do i do financially about that kind of that's that's Mm -hmm. probably not the first thing you're thinking but obviously it came back to to be a part of your 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 mindset in terms of well what am i going to do from here what you know what what is the point of of putting life off until 65 Mm -hmm. if you might you might not make it there so it's uh it's it's very kind of eye-opening when you come to that conclusion that you mm-hmm. know, obviously none of us are guaranteed but um maybe we'll get into that stuff too but, but tell me a little bit about you know kind of your start into real estate and what 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 you've been doing kind of all, all of that journey sure uh so like i mentioned this was late 2014 where i just kind of had a shall we say, an awakening moment. And I figured, you know, there has to be a better way. And so I started downloading a podcast and listening to them. Uh, at the time, I was, like I said, I was in sales. So it wasn't uncommon to put 100 to 200 miles on the road in a day. So it would just, you know, queue up a bunch of podcasts and listen to them while I was on my daily commute. And you start picking up little nuggets of real estate investing you know, depreciation, passive income, the tax benefits, so on and so forth. And just kind of, you know, absorbed all that information, started to have my little checklist of, you know, I want to buy my first property, want to make sure it hits the 1% rent to value ratio, uh, newer construction, 1990s or, you know, newer, uh, so on and so forth. And found that come summer of 2016, I ended up doing things a little reverse. I started with a fourplex and worked my way to single family homes where a lot of people, I think, start with a single family home and work their way up to a multifamily. <laughs> well, there's no, there's no wrong way really to, I think, no. to, be, uh, to get into real estate, just get in, do something. So yeah, yeah that makes, that makes total sense. How did you, so actually let, let's talk a little bit about, I think it's something that, that maybe people skip over this they they let mm-hmm. the podcast a lot of people listen to podcasts but then you mentioned you developed your criteria yeah right so that that's an important thing to decide what your investing strategy is going to be right because yep. there's so much there's i mean mm-hmm. really when you start diving in you start listening to those podcasts like i'm sure you, you as well as me you, you know i've it's just like you'll hear guest after guest after guest okay. talking about you know someone's in multifamily someone's in uh flipping houses someone's doing notes someone's yep. doing self-storage there's a million different wholesaling ways or, right, yep. <laughs> right there's just so many different ways which is awesome because that means there's lots of variety and people can find different mm-hmm. ways but it's like when you when you listen to people that are you know really successful in self-storage and then you listen to someone that's really successful in like industrial invest whatever it is 
and you're just like, oh yeah, I want to do that. Oh, I want to do that. I want to do that. Yep. That, that sounds great. Shiny object and, syndrome, I think exactly, they call it. <laughs> exactly. So you you just kind of get in that mode of like, well, this all sounds amazing. So how did you, I think it's it's good for people starting out, like how did you decide what was best for you, what your investing strategy was? Sure. Uh, so, you know, I obviously listen to a lot of the podcasts, you know, fix and flipping, which I'm not a handyman by any stretch of the imagination. So I know that wasn't my route. Uh, wholesaling really didn't really fit with me. I just kind of looked at it where it was more transactional, where you have a large, you know, transaction, you get paid, but you have to go find another transaction. That was very much like what my current job was, where, you know, sell a large piece of equipment, have the transaction, get your permission, you move on. And I think it was the passive income that I really liked where, you know, you're getting those monthly checks. And I wouldn't say you're not involved at all, but if you have a good structure in place, a good property management company in place, uh, your team in place, it is very much hands off. So then you're also able to scale more where if you're you know, managing your own properties, there gets to be a point that there's only so many hours in the day and only so much that you yourself can do. But if you're outsourcing as many of those activities as you can, then you can, you know, scale up more and then still get that passive income coming in. Yeah, absolutely. And so you said you you started with a fourplex yep. and, and then went to single family. Now, <laughs> sometimes sometimes the single family, you know, the sort of the, the single family or even the small multifamily might be harder to find someone to manage than like a large multifamily. Right. But, so are you self-managing or did you, were you able to go ahead and sort of outsource that? Uh, no, I was able to outsource. Um, actually from the beginning, when I first talked to my wife about this, you know, going into real estate, her big thing was, you know, I support you. I'm, with you there, but we're going to have a property manager um, manage the property. That's so <laughs> even, yeah, even before I had uh, picked a property, I'd already found a property management company, kind of knew what, the, what areas they covered, what they looked for. So we had the property manager lined up before we had had the property. So kind of line that up from the get-go. Yeah, no, and that's, that's good. I, I mean, I think it's knowing knowing who's going to manage the property, right? Whether, yep. you know, and especially if you're, if you're investing locally, if you're investing long distance, it's obvious that you're not going to be able to manage the property. Right. But if you're investing locally, then it's kind of like, well, am I doing it or am I hiring someone to do it? But you have to factor that into your, your budget, right? You have to say, right. okay, well, there's going to be this much in terms of management fees. So, so and it, even if you're self-managing in theory, you should, essentially pay yourself something for that. Where right. you actually take the money, it should be sort of factored, factored into your budget. So exactly. Um, so that's great. You had that, you know, kind of ahead of time. How did you find that first fourplex? Uh, surprisingly, this was actually on the MLS. And when, it, like I mentioned with my criteria of, you know, newer construction, one to four units uh, could be managed by the property manager. Uh, my wife was even hesitant and figured, well, you're never going to find that. And lo and behold, the fourplex popped up on the MLS and like I said, hit all my criteria, but I was thinking, well, I was thinking about starting with a, something smaller, but don't want to pass this up. So, you know, we're talking about $300,000 property. And I thought back to 
uh, quote by Robert Kiyosaki of don't say I can't afford it, ask how can I afford it? Because, you know, $300,000 property, 25% down, I mean, that's not exactly pocket change for anyone. Right. So started to do a little bit of, you know, put in the thinking cap, started thinking outside the box. And my, ironically, my financial advisor mentioned, you know, you've had this Roth IRA since you've been 19, you can actually take out your contributions tax-free and put that towards the down payment of the property. And at the time, I didn't think you could even do that. I just figured, okay, once it's in a retirement account, it's in jail pretty much. <laughs> so um, ran the numbers and pulled out my contributions that I had put in for uh, at the time, what was it, 12, 13 years worth. And that was the majority of our down payment right there. Awesome. Awesome. And you, that's, it's actually a good, you know, kind of story there, because I think that people don't realize that you can do things like that, that you can mm -hmm. take, take some of your Roth IRA, or you can have, if you have a, uh, 401k or an IRA, you can take loans out of those and, and sure. use them. They, they, if you have whole life insurance, you can use them mm -hmm. you know, talk about infinity banking and stuff. And so it's a, those are a little bit difficult concepts to, I think, understand sometimes, but, but the resources are available. So it's, you know, I think mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that think they don't have the money to invest in real estate, but really they just don't know that they have the money to invest. Right. In. So, or even the resources, you know, it can even be as simple as, uh, like you said, a loan from a 401k, a right. HELOC, uh, selling some, you know, unused cars or anything that's in the garage collecting dust. So there's right, right. many it's, different ways you can experiment yep. with that. You hear about people, and I, I'm not advocating for this, but there's lots of people that got their down payment by taking out of credit cards to get, yep, to get yeah, which in real estate. Teach which is, their own if it, run, if it works well. Right, so you, you, <laughs> as long as you know, you know, you have to run the numbers, right? So yeah. it's like, what's the risk reward ratio? And, and are you going to, you know, if you, if you take a loan out from your IRA and you're making, or you're paying some sort of percentage back to it, but you're making yep. twice that in terms of return of your investment, it, it it's worth it. It makes sense. It's the same right. thing. If you take the money out on the credit card as if it's a short-term loan, it's probably no different than using a hard money loan for for a fix and flip. It's just right. you're taking it from your set, right? You don't have to get anyone else involved. So yeah, um, it's it the opportunities are there. So if you can find a good deal, you can find a way to kind of get into that good deal. I believe. Oh yeah. Um, so you, you got the fourplex, was it, I know you said you, you had you know, sort of newer construction as your criteria. Did you have to do anything in terms of renovations or was this sort of a turnkey type property? I wouldn't call it uh, quite turnkey. So interesting uh, story behind the fourplex. Uh, the previous owners uh, built it. They lived in one unit and then they ran out the other three. So it kind of paid their mortgage for them. Mm -hmm. So when we acquired it, it was actually vacant, which, you know, plus or minus, okay, we can start fresh with tenants, but we decided to do a little bit of an upkeep, uh, put a, a drain tile system in the basement just because we can get fairly heavy rains and mixed with clay soil in Southwest Minnesota can lead to water in basements. So we figured, you know, let's put the money in now and it's going to be a lot easier to do this when it's vacant than when it's occupied. And I think we, 
it was early August 2016. We had acquired it and we had all the units filled by uh, December of that year. So, right. And do you still own it? Yep, still own it. So, still cash flowing well. Uh, knock on wood, didn't have a single vacancy all last year. Uh, it's been almost two years since we had a vacancy, and that only took about a month to fill. Awesome. Awesome. And then since then, what, what have you sort of added to the portfolio? I know you said you, you went backwards, although I don't, I don't <laughs> yeah. I think you're, I think it's just investing is investing. I don't know that there's. Yep. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Literally backwards. Uh, then the next one was actually a duplex that kind of fell into our lap and that's actually been our uh, cash cow ever since uh, there was a owner of a duplex. They were calling our property management company for reference on a tenant of you know, how long did they stay there? Were they a good tenant, et cetera, et cetera. And in the conversation, they were like, do you purchase properties as well? Or do you just manage them? And Scott had taken the call and he said, well, we don't purchase them, but I think we might know someone that would be interested. So he called me up the next day, said, hey, there's an off-market duplex in an area that we manage. Uh, seller wants to sell it, thought I'd, you know, pass the lead on to you before I went on the MLS or anything. So that turned out to be really good for us. Uh, up and down duplex, um, rent out the duplexes, but we also have a coin op uh, laundry in place. And then we rent out the garages uh, for storage for extra income as well, so. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, ma maximizing every every inch of that property, it sounds like that's great. Yep, yeah, I got a, yeah, for-profit streams from a duplex, so not too bad. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and then how about from there? Is it, if you don't have to tell me each one specifically if you want, but just kind of where are you at today? What's your what's your plan going forward in terms of your investing? Uh, sure. Uh, well, since then, it's uh, got into a little bit to the short-term rentals, bought a second home a condo in Arizona that uh, we use as our second home when we're down there visiting, but we also rent it out, you know, obviously for short-term rentals. Uh, then got into the actual uh, turnkey space through uh, turnkey providers in late 2019. Uh, got three properties or two properties down in Alabama, one in Tennessee, uh, Memphis, and just closed on another off-market duplex in Davenport, Iowa, late 20, yeah, late 2021. So right now it's just been kind of, I have a number of geographic markets that I look in and want to continue to grow in, but I'm always, you know, cash flow first. I know a lot of people kind of get hung up on the appreciation and I've even seen people buy a property and it's negative a hundred dollars a month, but oh, that appreciation, I'm going to make up for it. Like, no, it's got a cash flow from day one. Appreciation comes on top of that. That's just icing on the cake. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and that goes all goes back to your investment criteria, right? If you're, if your goal is to invest for strictly cash flow, then you better make sure it's cash flowing, right? That yep. has to be, that has to be a part of it. If you, I mean, some people, <laughs> people or some people invest because they want the losses. They've got some yep. some other investment, or they've got, uh, you know, they make a lot of money at their W two job or something, and they're trying to to you know sort of offset some of the taxes. So it really just depends on what you're what you're shooting for. I guess mm -hmm. in an ideal world, you're looking for cash flow and appreciation, but sure, in reality, you have to have you have to have a focus. Um, and so yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense. You know, kind of what you're going are you still are you still working or are you have you gone to you know, sort of full-time investing 
would kind of full-time investing. So I left my uh, sales job back in late 2019 so I could focus more on investing. Uh, since then, I've kind of picked up a few side hustles, but I'm a part-time realtor, uh, also a full-time investor. I run a podcast, run a blog. I have a lot of side hustles to keep me busy. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. No, that's great. I mean, and it, it's there, you know, it might be side hustles, but they're all in the same same space if, if yeah. it's all real estate related. It, it, yeah. I'm sure well, and I would all... say entrepreneurship. I mean, I am yeah. my boss. I mean, I can work a day if I want to. I can call my own hours. I can work as little or as much as I want. And which is very fortunate now that I have a four month old son. So in the cases where he gets sick or daycare is closed, my schedule is very flexible where, okay, can't go to daycare. I can watch him for the day where if I was working like a traditional nine to five, even with the whole remote work nowadays, it still would be a little bit more difficult. So yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, congratulations on your son and congratulations oh, on achieving time freedom, right? That's, I mean, that's, I, that's what we're all really looking for is to right. make our own schedule and, you know, spend time with family when we want to spend time with family or mm -hmm. when they, when they need us. So that's, that's fantastic. Um, I guess, I, we talked maybe a little bit about it uh, before we started recording and stuff. Let's talk about the the traditional path to retirement and, mm -hmm. you know, kind of what what people are told is the right thing to do. And I think I get the impression that both of us are maybe of the mind that it's probably not the right thing to do. But, you know, maybe, maybe touch on what, what you talked about a little bit before in terms of you know, the, the 401ks and, and all of that and, and the timing. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't know if I would say, you know, 401ks and IRAs are necessarily, you know, bad. I think all of them can hold a place. I mean, I even still have a number of Roth IRAs and a self-directed 401k. I just haven't contributed anything to them for almost six years. I've just been, uh, you know, reinvesting the uh, earnings from day one. Right. Um, I think for a lot of people is that they just kind of almost are, you know, maybe go and have a tunnel vision where they, you know, have their account with Fidelity or Vanguard or wherever the case may be. And okay, I have this in stocks, bonds and mutual funds, and this will grow at whatever rate per year until I turn 65. And we can kind of go down the rabbit hole of average versus actual returns. But I think a lot of people just get so focused on that where a lot of people don't know that you can self-direct your retirement accounts. I mean, I myself uh, have retirement accounts that are invested in uh, cryptocurrency mining LLC and uh, Teak Farm in Nicaragua and private lending and trustees and a number of other alternative investments that I don't think the average person even knows is out there. So it's not to say that the traditional retirement plans are bad per se, but I just think a lot of people don't know to how fully maximize them to their benefit. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, and uh, when I when I say this stuff, it, I definitely was, <laughs> until maybe two years ago, I was in that camp of, I'm just going to do what I, I, actually, I was worse than that. I, did, I didn't plan anything for retirement for okay. quite some time. I was just like, well, my plan, I like working. My plan is to not retire. That was, mm. that was really my, my retirement plan, but, but, you know, th there, I think you, you, you sort of brought up a really good point in that those, the 401ks, the IRAs, that stuff's not bad, mm. but 
it's worth investing a little bit of time and education into knowing what you're actually getting out of it. You touched on sort of the, the average returns versus what you're actually getting. And, and if, you know, I, I maybe a year ago, I, I did a little exercise where I just pulled up because you're, you're right, you can direct a lot of it yourself. Although oftentimes, at least in my case, I can't self-direct my 401k for the job that I currently work at, right? Right. Like yep. You have you have a selection of of funds, but you but basically you you don't really have the ability to do that. But I looked and I looked at the returns, and I looked at the fees. And between the fees and the mediocre returns I was getting, I was making I'm making like two or three percent on my four hundred one k, which is that's that's at this point not even inflation. Yeah, that's like a third of inflation right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's just I think that. And people don't know that they don't know what's mm -hmm. happening. They're just sort of blindly putting the money in because that's what they're supposed to do. And I think like, if you get an employer match, you should use that to your advantage yep. because that's free money. So it's, it's exactly. like, it's just understanding all those little nuances that how you can have a little more control and a, and a little more, the word that's coming to mind is manipulation. I don't <laughs> know that. I think it's just, education of the possibilities with these things yep. and as you mentioned you can i mean you can take an ira and make it a self-directed ira and invest that in real estate or crypto or yep. a teak farm like you said i mean that all that stuff is possible and, and people don't know that and right and i'm not to really blame them but i mean if they go to their right. fidelity or schwab advisor and say hey i want to invest in a teak farm in my ira well they're going to say well, no, you can't do that. Well, they really mean, well, we as your custodian can't do that. Right, right. And we want all those fees from you. So we're not going to um, advise you going to someone else that can self-direct it. So yeah. people just yeah. think, oh, this is impossible. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's, and it, it's, it's not always as easy to find those, you know, self-directed options and, and the right. alternative investments and stuff like that. It's not, it's not as easy as just here's the money that comes out of my paycheck and someone else takes care of it. That's right. That's an easy way to do it, but it's, it's not financially, not the best way for you to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think you were, you were lucky that you had a financial advisor that actually told you, Hey, why don't you use this Roth IRA and take money out and, and, and put it because it, that didn't help them. Right. right? That's, <laughs> yeah. That, that doesn't get them anything. So it's a, it's another valuable point in the sense that, you know, some financial advisors, as you mentioned with, with these, these big companies and the brokerage accounts, they don't get anything if you invest in alternative investments other right. than their funds. And so they're not going to, that's not going to be a part of their company. So you're not going to be allowed to do it or they're not going to, they're not going to tell you how. So mm -hmm. when you, uh, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I have to talk to my financial advisor. And I sometimes cringe because I'm like, <laughs> I feel like that person might only be telling you the, the options that benefit them. So right. it's definitely something that, that I think a lot of us don't necessarily take the time to become educated in. And again, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not saying this, like this was other people, like this was me for sure in until relatively recently. So I th it's been a very eye opening for me. So it, it's sort of uh, a very cool thing to learn that there's all these other, you know, possibilities that you can do and you can make, put your money to work for you. Right. Yeah. I think there was some stat that, uh, I don't remember exactly, but I think only like 5% of all retirement accounts are self-directed, but 25% of self-directed accounts have a balance of $1 million or more, which I think just 
speaks right. to the power of self-direction versus right. stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Right. If if you're someone who takes the time to understand how this stuff works, mm-hmm. you're probably going to do better with your money. Right. It really is. Exactly. I mean, it's probably the breakdown of that statistic. So, um, yeah, make it, it makes total sense. And it, and the other thing that we kind of touched on earlier was the the time, right? So we're mm-hmm. we're talking about you know these retirement accounts and, and for all intents and purposes, you're not supposed to touch them till 65. And right. So yep. There's, to me, there's, there's two sides to that. You talked about, you know, well, what, if, what if you don't make it to 65, if you're, you're putting off essentially, I mean, you know, putting your life on hold, but, but you're, you're saving that kind of time freedom until then. Yep. Right. And, and that's, you know, so that's, to me, that's one part of it. The other part of it is the way it's currently structured and the way that people are taught is like that 4% rule that you can take out 4% every year from your account because you're expected to live <laughs> 25 years after you're, after you retire. Yeah. But, but okay. What if you, what if you don't, yeah. what if there's a stock market crash somewhere in those 25 years, or yep. what if you live 40 years after your retirement? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just like, it doesn't make sense. It, it's not a sound retirement strategy because you don't know. And we, I mean, you hope to live long and be healthy, right? But it's like the 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 current strategy of, of you know, retire at 65 and, and take 4% each year is, it's very flawed if you think about yeah. it in the sense that you're just kind of hoping that you pass before you run out of money. I don't, yep, I don't really exactly. know what the, like, it, and again, these are things that I'm just very... <laughs> very yep. recently sort of figuring out that 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 mentality doesn't make sense so it's again if you're you if you have a 401k those there's they're not bad things but there's something that you have to understand what you're doing with it and also look at things that you can do right now in your yep. life as you have to obtain financial and time freedom mm-hmm. well before you turn 65 yeah well and i think a lot of it just comes down to where you know, if you ask people of, well, why are you contributing to a retirement account? Oh, so I have a lot of money. Well, why? So that can provide me income in retirement. And I think a lot of it is like, okay, just work that backwards. If you're expecting, you know, throw out a number $5,000 a month come retirement, why not work today of creating passive income streams that will start paying you $5,000 or even $500 a month now? And that continues on until retirement. Why delay that to a future date that isn't guaranteed for any of us? Right. No, absolutely. It's you can you can set that in motion now mm-hmm. and have, you know, if the other thing with that, it's like great, start that earlier. So that's one huge benefit to it. It's like yep. if you can set up investments so that you're getting your five thousand dollars a month when you're 30 or 40 instead of 65 or 70, obviously that's a, a much more desirable outcome but the other thing is if you if your plan is again you're you're going to have a at 65 you're going to have some amount of money in that retirement account and you're going to draw it down every year Mm -hmm. if you've invested now in cash flowing assets those cash flowing assets don't go away while you're getting your five thousand dollars a month right (laughs) they're going up in value instead of the opposite thing that's happening on those retirement accounts when you start drawing from them it's like when you sell the only way to get money from a stock is to sell it yep 
right? But you can, a dividend, if, I suppose. But <laughs> right, yeah, right. You can have it, but if you even with dividends, you've got to you've got to take them out, right? You've got to do yep. something to withdraw. So it's kind of like it's great if you can be in all in all these different asset classes. But it, but the reality is is that the the ones that benefit you now are cash flowing assets, and most commonly that's going to be real estate. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something that once I kind of figured this all out, it was just, I, I was like, now I want to tell, I want everyone to just like, think about it, like really just think about it. It's, it's a very yep. system that we have, you know, because people talk about all the time, oh, we may not have social security when we get to that age. I don't care about that. That's the least of our worries. Yep. Like, that's, that's a thing that, you know, if, if your, if your goal is to live off that, there's, we have to start the conversation even even further back but it's it's kind of like the the that's the thing that people know about and hear about but right but don't think through the logic of like an actual 401k right well the thing is a lot of people kind of confuse the two because social security was initially put together as an insurance program back in the 30s life expectancy was 62 you kind of withdraw to your 65 so statistically you're going to be dead before you could pull a paycheck well now fast forward what 90 years now we're living into our 80s but the retirement age has gone up a whopping two years so it's kind of a little lopsided (laughs) right right well yeah and and i mean you know we're living into our 80s people who are this is what i i think this stuff is is even more important for like people in their 20s right now i mean they're they're going to be living till they're 100 i mean oh yeah like it's going to be like medical advancements things like that like general health wise pandemic aside people right or continue you know the average length of life is getting longer and longer and so it's something that you know that that four percent rule in your retirement accounts just doesn't make sense anymore it doesn't right well the reality well like you said i was just reading you know the median uh 401k balance i think for people in their 60s was like two hundred fifty thousand. well you know, you can do the math if you're going to do 4% of that and live off that for 40 years and inflation's anywhere from five to 7%. Right. I mean, you don't have to break out the calculator to realize the numbers aren't going to add up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you're, you, that, that's a great point, actually, in the sense that this whole, this whole 4% rule is predicated on the fact that you saved enough money that it's 25 times what you want to live off in a year. Right. So it's like, doesn't it just... It, none of it really makes a whole lot of sense. So yeah. it, it's kind of, but it's, it's like, we just, that's what we're told to do. Nobody teaches right. us otherwise. And so you kind of do, do what everybody else is doing. Um, but that's why I think conversations like this are so important is to kind of, you know, get that word out there that, that there is a lot to it, that, uh, that there's easy tweaks to make to this, that you can yep. be comfortable much before you turn 65 and also not have to worry about running out of money at that exactly. point when you retire. So um, cool. Well, well, thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for going on that tangent with me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> an important topic, but um, let's let's just switch gears uh, so I don't keep you all day talking about the the broken retirement system. But yeah, we can uh, we could go on for hours. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let let's just switch gears. I, I like to ask each guest four questions, so we'll, we'll okay. kind of go to that portion of the show. The first one, John, is 
what uh, what is your why? And obviously, it's based on the the name of the podcast being "Know Your Why." But what's your why? Uh, I have a feeling I know at least some of the answer to this. But um, you know, what drives you to towards success? Sure. Uh, so my why, just kind of overarching, is to have time freedom and obviously family time. Where uh, you know, I look at my parents; they unfortunately passed away at an early age. So I look at with uh, my son now that I want to be able to have the time freedom that as he grows older, you know, whether it's a ball game, a play or whatever the case may be, I can be there for him. I can, you know, spend time with him and see those events that I can't make up for not having to worry about, oh, gee, well, can I get time off for my job or can I get this day off requested for my boss? I mean, that's my overarching why to really live my life of how I want to live it and be there for my son and my family and you know having that passive income allows that time and freedom for me to be able to do that yeah yeah no that's great 100 percent. i i uh it's no secret to anyone who's ever listened to this or followed my social media that my why is my family as well i've got yep. two young kids and i just everything everything that i do at this point is is to to try to get to that point where just as you said like i'm not going to miss i'm not going to miss a game or a recital no. or whatever yep. it's like i'm going to be at all that stuff whatever they want to do dad's going to be there watching so right kind of, well and uh, Andy, for myself i look at it too like next month i'm going to a conference and it was kind of a nice feeling that i could just take a week off where i remember even just two years ago like oh gosh i got to put in a request for my boss i got to block it off my calendar i got to yep. take care of all this stuff I got to let my coworkers know that I'm gone, just yada, yada, yada. It's like, oh, I don't need to get permission from anyone. (laughs) You're like, I'm going to check with the boss. Oh, that's me. Yes, I'm going to this conference. And see if I give myself uh, the day off. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it it is a very, very nice feeling to get to that point, I'm sure. Um, I I look forward to that someday. Um, (laughs) All right. So second question is, can you tell me something about yourself that maybe isn't common knowledge? a special skill, a hobby, anything that, that might be interesting to the listeners to, to get to peek behind the curtain a little bit. Sure. Uh, well, probably about the one interesting fact I can give, uh, there's actually only three Rick Garns in the entire world. So it's a very uh, small family tree, if you will, if you'll say. <laughs> wow. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that's nice. That, that it's uh, definitely, um, I'm not sure that I've, I obviously haven't heard that name before, but it's not not a common one, certainly. Right. Yeah. If you Google it, you're not going to find very, very many Rick Garns. So <laughs> perfect. Perfect. I'm pretty sure all of the Bolaras in the world are also just in my family. I don't, I got gotcha. very, <laughs> very uncommon last name. So we have that, that in common. Um, how can people reach out to you? So if, if, you know, when they hear this and they want to want to connect, what's the best way to get a hold of you? We'll, we'll put whatever you want in the show notes. Oh, sure. Yeah. So like I mentioned, I'm not very hard to find. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, you can just find my name, John Rickarn. I also uh, run my own uh, blog and website that has links to my YouTube channel, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, that can be at just wealthandfreedomnexus.com. Or if your listeners are driving and that's too much of a mouthful, mouthful, uh, you can just type in rickgarn.com and that will redirect you to my page as well. Okay, awesome. Great. Final question, John, is what what piece of advice would you give to someone who's maybe a few years back getting started in their investing journey? What, what would you tell them to help uh, inspire them to, to kind of get to where you're at? Sure. Uh, I would always say, and I still find myself in this 
you know, trough every once in a while is don't compare yourself to others. Just compare yourself to your previous self. So if you're looking at getting started and, oh, gee, Jason over here, he's got, you know, 200 properties or whatever the case may be. I'll never be able to catch up to him. You know, don't compare yourself to anyone else. Just start small. It's like, okay, I don't have anything, any uh, real estate right now. What can I start with? and start with one property and then the two and three and don't compare yourself to others you know it's really only matters to you to just make sure that you're constantly improving and you should only be in comparison of yourself to your former self really yeah yeah that's great i've, I've actually that theme has come up a lot lately it's a you're only in a competition with yourself yep right? exactly it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't matter what, and it also it's like to be honest you probably don't most of the time don't know what you might you're comparing most of the time people are comparing themselves to someone's instagram page or someone's yeah exactly. linkedin profile you're not actually comparing yourself to them you're comparing yourself to to what gets put out there and so you know right. things like well things that like, can be misleading like exactly. oh i want to be this guy that bought a new lamborghini it's like how do you know he just just didn't rent that lamborghini for him a day took right. a couple of pictures yeah. and say he owns it and therefore right. he's very successful <laughs> he walked past a lamborghini and stood in front and someone took a picture of him i mean it's just that stuff is is very common in social media and, and social media can be a great tool but but also it's it's i think it sets people up for comparing themselves to others yeah you know? and so it's, exactly. it's hard to step back from that sometimes and it's you know even even in real estate, you know, people talk about how many units they have. That's a common way of like, I don't know, measuring success, but it's also what you, what you don't know when people say that is, well, what percentage of those units, right? Yeah. Like, do they have 1% of 500 units or do they have a hundred percent of 500 units? Cause that's a very big, big difference. Exactly. Or even a hundred percent of you know, 10 units might be better, like a higher net worth than a small percentage of, of 500 units. So, right. And, and or again, I put in $500 on a syndication that syndication right. is invested in 10,000 units. Well, it doesn't exactly mean that I own hundred percent of those 10,000 units. Right. <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, no matter what the, the answer to that percentage, is, it doesn't, it still doesn't matter. Right. As you said, you're not trying to compare yourself. You shouldn't compare yourself to anyone else. We, we talked at the beginning about, um, you know, your own investing philosophy. So yeah, it, it, you comparing yourself to that, you know, we try to compare ourselves to Grant Cardone. <laughs> it's you, you never, you can't, you can't get there. It's like, uh, yeah. And anyway, it's like, you see that, you know, I'm, I'm never going to be Tom Brady. I'm never, you know what yep. I mean? It's just those, <laughs> those things aren't going to happen and it, it shouldn't matter. I just need to, you know, sort of be better. It within my own stuff, you know, exactly every day. So, um, I mean, really great, John. Thank you. Thank you for all of the wisdom that you shared today. Thank you for your time. I've, I've enjoyed this conversation very a lot. Yeah, me as well. Thanks a lot, Jason. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right. Well, with that, we'll go ahead and sign out. Uh, have a great day, everyone. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, 
The Know Your Why podcast is made for you.